0: Chapter 10 That evening at dinner, Sister Carmeline declared that due to the civil unrest, orphans would no longer be allowed outside the gates. It didn't escape Finn's attention that Sister Carmeline was looking right at her during most of the announcement. After the others were dismissed, Sister Hilda stayed behind and cornered Finn. Miss Button, do not think we are so blind as to have missed your frequent excursions outside the walls. While we have had some measure of tolerance of late... You can expect that to now cease. It is far too dangerous for a young girl, even one such as yourself, to be out without proper supervision. Do not disappoint me, Miss Button. Hilda left the dining hall with a look of haughty satisfaction on her face. Finn was half shocked and half infuriated. Sister Hilda had known she was sneaking out? She had known and not said anything? That was most unlike Sister Hilda, or Carmeline for that matter. Was she hoarding up evidence to prosecute all her crimes at once? Maybe she was just bluffing and only suspected Finn's ventures beyond the walls. Certainly, if she knew, she would have come down like a hammer the instant she found out. But found out or not, Finn thought, they weren't about to stop her from seeing Peter. The nerve of that woman to try to keep her cooped up like one of her precious chickens. The sisters were terrified of everything in the world outside of the orphanage, it seemed, and the latest news had done nothing to ease their paranoia. This might make her life a little more difficult, but it wasn't going to bring it to a stop. Finn attended her chores and headed out the door. Bartimaeus stopped her. I'd be careful, Missy, he said. Careful about what? I can't leave the walls in case you missed it. I won't go stopping you. You're old enough now to make your own decisions. Just remember, you'll have to abide the consequence if Hilda catches on. Then he turned and left. Finn considered what he'd said for a moment, a small moment. The notion of ceding defeat to Sister Hilda was more than she could stand. She walked out the gate to wait for Peter. As she reached the gate and saw Peter coming up the road, a voice spoke from behind her. "'Mr. Lemmy, may I help you?' Sister Hilda said, walking up from behind. "'I come to walk with Finn a bit, if that's all right,' said Peter. Finn began opening the gate, and Sister Hilda's hand came down on the latch. "'I am sorry, Peter, but Miss Button is restricted to the grounds for the near future.' "'Well, you can come inside, then, Sister Hilda. We just want to talk,' said Finn. "'I think not. It's far too late for visitors. It's nice to see you again, Peter, perhaps some other time. Come along, Miss Button.' "'I'm not going anywhere,' said Finn, incredulous. "'Indeed.' "'Finn, don't make a fuss,' Peter said. "Well, you've got no right to tell me I can't talk to Peter. He's lived here all his life, and has every bit as much right to come inside as you do.' "'Miss Button, I suggest you leave off this nonsense before I become irritated,' said Sister Hilda, as her nose began to rise. "'Go on, Finn. We'll catch up later,' said Peter. He eyed Sister Hilda with a worried look, but there was no stopping Finn now. "'This is ridiculous. Go to bed, you wicked old bat, before I get damned well irritated. I'm sick and tired of listening to your constant threats of extra chores and switchings and God only cares what else. Haven't you got anything better to do than follow me around?' Haven't you got any children of your own to nag? Oh, but no, of course you don't. And you're not my mother either. So you can take your bonnets and your rules and your nose and carry them to bed with you as well. Finn's mind was full of a hundred other insults and thoughts she'd like to voice, but she stopped. She'd gone too far, and she knew it. Finn had heard her. Hilda turned away and walked back toward the headmistress's chambers. She didn't deserve that, said Peter flatly. I better go, muttered Finn. Things will be back to normal before long. Don't worry about it. I'll see you. Finn smiled at him as best she could and watched him turn to leave. He paused a moment and turned as if to say something more. Go on, she whispered and waved him off. He nodded and walked away. Finn went to bed and lay awake a long time, wondering what Sister Hilda's vengeance would be. As Finn walked to the dining hall the next morning, the weight of what she'd said to Hilda pressed down on her. Very rarely had she ever directly defied Hilda, and never so plainly as she had the night before. She was convinced Hilda had deserved the tongue-lashing, but no matter how hard she tried, she couldn't convince herself to stop feeling guilty. Why she should regret speaking rudely to Hilda was beyond her reckoning. Certainly Hilda had been rude to her often enough, so why now such remorse when she only gave her a taste of her own venom? Thinking about it irritated her. When Finn arrived at the dining hall... Bartimaeus was in the kitchen stirring up breakfast. She retrieved the beeswax from the cupboard and went to work polishing the table. There seemed to be more nicks and blemishes on the surface than she'd ever seen before. No matter how hard she scrubbed at some of them, they refused to disappear. She expected Sister Hilda to stride into the room and descend upon her at any moment. She couldn't think of anything Hilda could do that would be worse punishment than she'd served a thousand times before, but she couldn't escape the look on Hilda's face as she'd yelled at her. What horrible fate would Hilda devise for such offense? Finn didn't dare imagine it, and she became furious at a particular scuff on the table that refused to buff clean. She scrubbed it so hard her fingers hurt, and then she began to beat on it. Bartimaeus yelled from the other room, "'Too late to get it clean now, missy. Let's get them dishes set out!' Just as Finn finished setting the table, Sister Hilda entered the dining hall. Hilda said nothing. She simply sat and waited for the meal to commence." Finn tried to erase any guilt or worry from her face and scurried to the other room to find something to do. Throughout the meal, Sister Hilda was silent and avoided any eye contact with Finn. Finn tried her best to act as she would any other morning. She did not intend to let Hilda detect an inkling of the guilt she felt. When the meal had finished, Sister Carmeline dismissed the children. "'Excuse yourselves, please, and ready yourselves for morning prayers.' Miss Button, will you please join me in my chambers once your work here is tended to? That was it. The hammer stroke. The knell of doom. Finn quivered. Sister Hilda exited the room without acknowledging Finn's presence. Finn took to her cleanup with the slow, heavy steps of a man led to the gallows. Bartimaeus smiled at her. Cheer up, Missy. She can't kill you. Finn hadn't mentioned the confrontation to Bartimaeus. She was ashamed of what she'd done and was afraid he'd think less of her for the knowing. But clearly he had heard, probably from Hilda herself. He was right. She couldn't kill her. But death might be an easier doom than whatever Hilda had in mind. Finally, she could put the meeting off no longer. Finn trudged to the headmistress's chambers and rapped on the door. "'Come in, Miss Button,' called Sister Carmeline. Finn pushed the door open and stepped inside. Carmeline was sitting in her rocking chair next to the fireplace, patiently considering her knitting. Sister Hilda stood quietly, her back to the door, looking down into the black-sooted hearth. Shut the door behind you, please, said Carmeline in her usual cheerful voice without looking up. Finn did as she was asked, then stood quietly and waited. She stared at Sister Carmeline, hoping that by some miracle Hilda would continue looking into the fireplace. She didn't want to have to endure her gaze. "'Miss Button, how old are you now?' asked Carmeline, though she knew perfectly well. nineteen, nineteen Nineteen years old!' Carmeline paused to look up and appraise Finn before continuing. nineteen years, and it seems the extent of what we have managed to teach you has been to dress like a vagrant, disregard our rules, and speak vulgarities and insults to your elders.' Finn risked a glance at Hilda. She was cold, unmoving, her back to the room, staring into the fireplace. "'Sister Hilda and I have spent nearly twenty years of our lives attempting to train you to survive in this world, attempting to raise you up to become a proper woman, capable of making a home and marrying a suitable man. But it seems we are failures.' Carmeline paused again, but didn't look up. "'I am at somewhat of a loss as to what to do, Miss Button.' My sister feels that we would do well to turn you out to reap the benefits of your meager skills and graces. What do you think, Miss Button? Turn her out? Let her go? Suddenly, Finn was confronted with the reality of it. It was what she had wanted her whole life, to get away, to be on her own, to make her own decisions. And now, faced with it, she was paralyzed. She wasn't sure she was ready. What would Peter think? The timing was all wrong. I'll go if you want me to, Finn stammered defiant, not meaning a word of it. And where would you go, Miss Button? To Peter? I think not. Peter is a good lad and well-employed, but I very seriously doubt he is prepared to risk his job and future for an ill-mannered girl with nowhere else to go. Do you know, Miss Button, that I have seen your like before? Girls like you, with their minds set to make their way in the world, invariably make it no further than a harbor-town brothel. Is that what you think to do? Carmeline looked up briefly. No. I should think not. But no harlot ever went out searching for her end. The end finds the harlot when all other doors are shut. Carmeline looked up to appraise Finn once more and then, thoughtfully, went back to her work before continuing. Ah, well, Finia. despite what my sister thinks, I have hope that you may yet be turned from your reckless nature and one day may be fit for a fine man and a fruitful union. Therefore, we will not turn you out. Finn let out a breath. However. There will be changes made. From here on, you will no longer be working with Brother Bartimaeus. Finn opened her mouth in protest, but Sister Carmeline pressed on. We will afford him a new apprentice. Henceforth, you will be under the direct supervision of Sister Hilda. Finn's eyes nearly popped out of her head. You will assist her in the supervision of chores and the other daily workings of the orphan house.' "'You will not be permitted out of her eyesight "'until such time as trust enough is built "'that Sister Hilda deems it appropriate. "'Sister Carmeline, "'furthermore, all contact with Peter Lemie is forbidden.' "'You can't do that,' Finn whispered. "'Sister Hilda turned abruptly and glared at Finn. "'I can indeed, Miss Button. "'Your relationship with Mr. Lemie "'has done nothing but lead you to mischief. "'Mischief which is, as of this moment, at an end.' Ignoring Hilda, Finn threw herself at Carmeline's feet and begged. Sister Carmeline, please, you don't understand. Carmeline ignored her, concentrated on her knitting. Silence, girl, spat Hilda as she jerked Finn up by the arm. Finn ripped her arm away, then back toward the door. You can't do this. You can't do this. Miss Button, may I suggest you calm down and collect your thoughts? We have nothing but your best interests at heart, and you will do well to heed the decisions of your elders, said Carmeline, perfectly calm. I can't, Sister Carmeline, please. My dear, I am afraid you have no choice. There it was. No choice. It echoed in Finn's mind. This is what they wanted. All her life lived inside walls and defined by their choices. Never hers. Her father chose a boy and cast her aside. The sisters wanted her to clean and cook and chose her for Bartimaeus. Only Peter had ever chosen her as she was and as she wanted to be, And now Hilda wanted to take him away as well. No choice, said Carmeline. All her life's fears converged on those words and she backed away, flailing at them like a fire said to burn her. No Peter, no Bartimaeus, no fiddle, no choice. She flung open the door and ran. Bartimaeus was in the courtyard and he tried to stop her, but she flew past him to the gate. She raised the latch and cast one look back. Sister Hilda was standing at the edge of the headmistress's chambers staring at her with a look of perfect satisfaction. Finn threw open the gate and ran headlong into the morning. No choice but to run. She ran down the road to Peter. Peter would convince Mr. Hickory to let her stay. They could be married today. She could be away from the sisters forever. Peter would know what to do. She could barely see the road through the tears in her eyes, but at last she found Mr. Hickory's house. Peter was in front of the house sawing logs. The sight of him was like water on her parched tongue. Peter, she sobbed. "'Peter!' Peter caught her as she was slipping to the ground, exhausted. "'Finn, what's wrong?' He shook her, worried. "'Finn, Finn, tell me what's going on.' "'They said I couldn't see you again.' "'Who? Who said, Finn?' "'Sister Hilda.' Mr. Hickory was standing nearby, watching, with a worried look on his face. Finn sobbed. "'I left, Peter, I left.' "'Left? Left the orphanage?' he asked. "'I can't go back. I can't stand it anymore.' Finn, listen, you have to go back. You can't stay here. Just go back and apologize. Sister Carmeline won't let Hilda turn you out? Finn looked at him, unable to believe what he was saying. I can't go back, Peter. I can't. Finn, you have to. Remember our plans? We just have to wait a little longer. I can't go back, Peter. Finn... Finn pulled herself to her feet. I won't. I can't. Peter, please. Peter cast a look at Mr. Hickory. When he turned back, he lowered his head to hers and spoke softly into her ear. Finn, we talked about this. Wait a little longer. Finn pushed herself away from him and ran. Peter had betrayed her. Peter wanted her back at the orphanage, behind the walls, locked up and looked after. Peter didn't understand. She ran from him, from all of it, into the woods, away from people and choices, walls and control. She ran through the trees and brush. Briars bit at her legs, tore at her clothes, brought bright blood to thatch her shins like ribbons. Roots pulled at her feet and bit into her soles. But she was beyond pain, and she ran. At last, she met the river. She fell on its bank and sobbed into the rolling water. She was trapped, and Peter had turned her away. She hadn't seen that coming, not Peter. The tears came like a tide. Hours later, when the crying had dried... Sleep found her and laid her to rest on the muddy bank. She dreamed of her fallen bell tower, and in her dream it rose high over the earth, and from her lost corner she saw the sea shining on the horizon like a beacon. Night came, and Finn awoke into its cooling dark. She sat up and felt the sting on her legs where the briars had torn her. She stood and felt a sharp pain on the bottom of her foot. She touched it with her hand and found a deep gash. In her mind, she heard Sister Hilda berating her for going barefoot outside her room, and she muttered curses at herself. She winced as she touched the wound. She limped to the water's edge and waded into the river to rinse the mud from her clothes. The water was cold and clean. In the moonlight, she could just see the outline of herself in the reflection, and it brought back the memory of the day. Running from the orphan house, Peter turning her away. No choice. Finn washed herself of the muck and spooned a handful of water onto her face. Maybe Peter was right. Hilda couldn't really keep them apart forever. If Peter could work and sweat day after day for them to be together, was it really so much for her to tolerate Hilda for a few more weeks or months? She couldn't work with Bartimaeus, but that didn't mean she'd never see him. Perhaps she was just being foolish. Finn waded back to the bank and limped her way through the woods toward the road. Her clothes were wet and clinging, and though the night air made her shiver, her head at least had cleared. If Peter wanted her to, She would go back. She'd suffer it for the promise of Peter. Finn thought of the pleased look Sister Hilda would give her when she admitted defeat, and it made her ill. But she would suffer it for Peter. Finn fumbled her way through the dark, looking for the road. Almost at once, she felt the cut on the arch of her foot open and begin to bleed. Moonlight broke through the treetops here and there, but little of it reached the ground to light her way. The night had a strange way of elongating distance. A stone's throw in day felt like a mile alone in the dark, and her aching foot made the crossing even slower. When she reached the road at last, she breathed easier and wondered if Peter was looking for her, if anyone was. Surely someone would have worried after her. As she turned east toward the town, she heard footsteps approaching from the west. She strained her eyes in the dark to see who was coming. Peter, perhaps, but the darkness was too deep. Peter? she called out into the night. There was no answer, just the sound of footsteps coming closer. Hello? She called out again. Her instinct told her to run, but she pushed the feeling down and assured herself she had nothing to fear. Then something glittered in the dark, a shiny wisp bouncing in the moonlight. Out of the veil of night came two men, dressed in red coats, white trousers, and black tricorn hats, British soldiers. The moonlight glanced off their muskets as they bobbed up and down in the dark. ''You there, hold!'' barked the man on the right. He lowered his musket at Finn and approached her. Finn considered running, but her damaged foot wouldn't allow it. She held her ground and stuck her chin out defiantly. ''What business are you about this hour?'' he said. He spoke in a voice that was rough and confident, like a man accustomed to commanding the attention of others, a man who expected his orders to be followed and quickly. The other soldier leveled his musket at her and peered through the darkness, trying to see if she was man or woman armed or innocent. No business but my own. What's this, a girl, out after midnight, stalking out of the woods? He looked back. His companion shrugged at him. Speak up. You're one of those Whigs I'll wager, lying in ambush for honest king's men I'm, I'm headed home. I was sleeping down at the river. All alone, eh? Put your hands up where we can see you aren't armed. Finn stood still, defiant, considering it. Up! the soldier barked and jabbed his musket at her. She put her hands up. check he said to his companion. The other man slung his musket over his shoulder and moved toward her. Finn backed away, but he caught her by the wrist and wrenched her around so that her back pressed against him. He ran his hands down her sides, then paused and chuckled. His hands began moving again, but slowly, softly, lingering. Finn tried to wrest herself free, but he jerked her back and held her to him. She felt his breath on her neck. "'We got a fresh one here,' he whispered to his friend. His hands continued their search. "'Taya!' said the man pointing the musket. He laughed. Finn was glad she couldn't see his face. The man holding her wrapped one arm around her waist and reached with his other for some unseen lashing. Finn took her opening. Speed and surprise. She spun around, freed herself from his arm, and struck him in the face. She ran. The wound on her foot erupted in a fountain of agony.' but she ignored it and flew. Seconds later, she heard the soldier's labored breathing behind her. His hands snatched at her and caught her by the arm. He flung her to the ground. When she rolled over to kick at him, the butt of his musket crashed into her cheek. Finn woke to the crackle and pop of a fire. She felt its warmth on the back of her legs and heard voices. The same voices from before. One was low, rough, throaty, and the other was smooth, metered, and precise. She couldn't make out the words, only tones and mild laughter. Her senses swam in and out of consciousness. Her mouth was gagged with a salty, foul-tasting cloth. She tried to open her eyes and felt a dull ache in her left cheek where the musket had struck her. She couldn't see out of her left eye. It was swollen shut. Through her right eye she saw that it was still nighttime, and she was surrounded by woods. Rums run dry, said a voice behind her. Good, let me sleep, said the other. Sleep, then, you old sot, the smooth voice said. She heard the hollow clunk of a bottle thrown into the woods. Finn tried moving her arms, but they were tied behind her. She tried moving her feet. They moved freely, unbound. She could run. Aye, our lass is waking up, Finn froze. She heard a rustle, then footsteps. A boot struck her in the lower back, and she cried out. She's awake now. Both men laughed. What do you say, lass? I'll forgive you our scuffle if you forgive me, said the sharp, calculated voice, dropping to a malicious whisper. Finn rolled and tried to get to her feet. The soldier standing over her put out his foot and knocked her to the ground like a broken chair. They laughed at her. She fought for her feet again. Ha! She's trying to run home, he said and kicked her over again. Oops! Finn cried out in frustration and tried to gain her feet once more. Oops! He kicked her to the ground again. The two men burst into laughter. Finn bellowed through the gag in rage. The soldier bent over and grabbed her by the neck, pushed her face into the ground and whispered in her ear, "'That's the spirit, lass!' She struggled against him and he drove his knee into her back, knocking the wind from her lungs. "'You'll tell me the name of every wig in this blight of a town before I'm done with you. But before we have our little talk, we got to soften you up a bit.' Jog the memory, so to speak. Finn tried screaming, but all she could manage was a muffled moan through the gag. She kicked at him and rocked back and forth, trying to escape his hands. The more she fought, the more he laughed. In her mind, fear mingled with rage and she couldn't separate the two. No choice. Nowhere to run. No one to help. Only fear, fury, and somewhere over the horizon, madness, lurking like a wolf. Oh, she's a live one, said the rough, low voice. Finn felt the cold line of a knife on her flesh. She kicked and moaned, pulling at the bonds, tying her hands. The rope cut into her wrists. She felt the knife bite into her lower back as she struggled, but she didn't care. "'Damn it, girl! You'll gut yourself if you don't mind your squirming!' Finn felt warm trickles of blood running down her side where the knife had pierced her, but still she kept fighting. The man swore and struck her in the temple with his fist. Her vision blurred and her thoughts swam around in her head like fish in the river." Near, far, clear, dim. He threw her over onto her back. She tried to scream at him, only a ragged moan obeyed. She told her limbs to kick at him, but they didn't listen. She rolled her head to the side and looked into the fire. She focused on it, stared at it, tried to escape into it in her mind. And then she saw a figure in the flame, rippling in the air, a man like a storm. He moved like floodwater churning through a gully. He swirled and flowed out of the fire and raised his arm. She heard voices shouting. The rough-voiced soldier was grabbing his musket. The flowing waterman moved toward him, his hair like the foam of an angry river. A blunt, flared muzzle exploded into the soldier. A crimson flower bloomed from his back. He staggered back and collapsed into the fire. The blaze licked around the dying soldier and began to consume him. The watery figure moved closer. His features swirled like the wrinkles of a wave raising up for its plunge to the shore. She knew him. She barely felt joy through the pain, but she knew him. Bartimaeus. He had come for her. The soldier that had been on top of her was yelling. Bartimaeus drew a kitchen knife from his coat and slashed at him. The knife painted a gaping red stripe across the soldier's face, and he staggered back, screaming. Bartimaeus launched at him again with murder and vengeance to work, but the man turned and fled into the woods. Bartimaeus knelt and cut Finn's bonds. His creased face bent and twisted like a squall. Now fury, now thunder, now cool, cleansing rain. He pulled the gag from her mouth, and she inhaled a precious breath like no other since she'd been born. Then she screamed. No words, no thoughts, just pain and release. Bartimaeus cradled her in his arms and held her like a babe. He, too, was shaking with tears and rage. Beside them on the ground next to the fire lay the blunderbuss, Betsy, smoke flitting out of her barrel like a breath in winter.